Hey, welcome in everybody to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live with the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. And you can check out the Facebook page. Just search Coach Bo Knows Show uh, and you'll find it there. First thing that comes up. And you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 99.5. And as always, on the Point Five Pod, now we're back. Um, I'm joined with the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind. My co-host Ellen Wingeter. Edub, how you doing? Doing well. How are you doing, Bo? I'm doing good. It's you know we're recording this Friday, it's Friday morning. I've had a long, long, busy week and uh, work wise, and just trying to get caught up. So we're going to make this brief for us today. Yes. We're also up against time crunch, too. So we're going to go a little baseball ahead. We're right at the end of the season. Uh, we have basically, as we're recording, there are three days left. Uh, we have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and then we will know the playoffs, standings, and everywhere and everything. But there's a couple of quick things I want to talk about. Okay. Um, we know some teams were in the playoffs already. We know pretty much all of our division winners at this point. Um there is a small chance in the West the Rangers don't win the West, but the Astros and the Mariners are still two games and three games back, respectively. Um, I thought it was interesting. I did stay up late and watch the end of the Rangers-Mariners game on Thursday night, and that was fun. It was one uh, – I'm sorry, it was 2-1 Rangers went into the ninth. Uh, they get to the bottom of the ninth. The Mariners are at home. They get – they get two outs, and it looks like all is sunk. And to understand what's going on, you got in the wild card right now, you've got this race to get in. Yeah. The three wild card teams, you say the Rays are in, the Blue Jays are in, the Astros and the Mariners, whoever doesn't win the West, like the Rangers, look, they're going to win it unless they completely collapse this weekend. Um, those two are battling for the last spot. Mm-hmm. And the Mariners know they can't afford to lose any games. They have four games with the Rangers. They just had the first one. They scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth with two out. They get a runner on, they get a couple hits, boom, two runs with no like hit and then two run homer. It was three hits to get them there. Nice. We just don't see with two outs in the ninth. And the fans, I mean, that stadium was full first off on the sure. Thursday night. And they knew how big the game was. Like the, the the players just ran out, like dug the dugouts clear. They run out in the field to celebrate. It's so fun to see like exciting baseball this time of year. Well, and especially yeah, and especially what happened the other night, you know, with benches clearing and stuff during yeah. that game. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, we've got the, the the American League East or the American League West. It's really kind of fun because there's three teams still battling for the division. Now it's the Rangers are two games ahead of the Astros, three games ahead of the Mariners, with three to go. But the Mariners play the Rangers all three games, mm-hmm. so three game sweep from here, making it a four game sweep of the series. The Mariners could vault their way all the way to the the division title. Yeah, but they really can't do worse than two and one. Because they're sunk, man. Yeah. I mean, unless the Astros will go 0-3 this weekend. And the Astros are playing oh, – I got to pull this up. Um, should I have it? I don't have it there. 
you have to have are at the Diamondbacks. So who are also playing to get in. So I mean it's it's all pretty crazy right now. But the story that I think is has not been talked about enough is last night the Baltimore Orioles won their 100th game. They yeah. have run away with the American League East. If you remember at the beginning of the year, Tampa Bay Rays won 19 in a row. They, they won, started super, super hot. Yeah. Everyone was like, what's going on? They won 20 of their first 23, or 20 of their first 22, 19 in a row at one point, and they were 10 games up in the division. Now, they're three back of Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore has clinched the East. And I, I bring it up because Baltimore is the only team in the American League with 100 wins. Yeah, um, the Jays could get there if they went out this weekend. But the reason I bring it up is that they are the first team in Major League Baseball history to lose 100 games and within three years win 100. It's crazy. And how they've done this is not what you think they would have done. You would think that a baseball team gets better by buying a bunch of free agents yep. and just loading up. They have gone the traditional way of getting young players, developing those young players, and their roster is just young, exciting baseball players who are all homegrown. Yeah, I mean, they've really taken the farm system to their advantage. And like you said, just finally getting some development coming up. Um, You know, the Cubs have, have done a little bit of that, but not as much as you'd like to see. Yeah. And it's, it's nice one, because it's a smaller market team and two, it's not buying a team. Yeah. Well, so I think there's two ways to look at this as well is we've seen a success story, like in the Tampa Bay Rays for like a decade of building a lot of their young, young players and then filling in with free agents, but it's Mm -hmm. not been the big name free agents. It's Mm -hmm. been, they go get, you know, like um, they go get like players from Korea or they go get Japanese players. They go get players who are veterans who are old veterans. Mid-tier players. Yes. A lot of those lower and mid-tier players and they made it work. The Orioles haven't even done that. Mm-hmm. The Orioles have this year's Rookie of the Year. Gunnar Henderson's going to win Rookie of the Year in the American League. Yeah. Um, a, a really exciting player. They have Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes in the outfield, who are just both extremely exciting players. And then they have the best young catcher in baseball, Natalie Rutschman, who I think is just a superstar. I mean, they got going to be incredible. They're starting pitchers. They've got a couple of nice ones, but none of these guys are none of these guys are front of the order like number ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Bradish has been great in the second half. I mean, he's been a one this second half, but uh, Bradish, that's a British, Bradish. Um, but it's, and he had a, 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 not a complete game. Yeah, he had a complete game a couple nights ago, and it was great. Um, but you look at it and go, this team built this the right way. Yeah. And I bring it up because I live in Kansas City. And I've heard for the entire time I've lived in Kansas, which is now 30 years, I've heard you can't build a team like that with a, with a small market. The Orioles just did. And the Royals did it one time. They just didn't keep any of them. Right. 
And so I was looking at the calendar. You were talking briefly about this, you and I. And we looked briefly at the standings and said, okay, you got some 100 lost teams again this year. We always, the Oakland A's have 110 losses. They're not even really trying to fill the team. I mean, that's just a, a bad situation. They're just getting ready to move. Yeah. You got the Rockies with 101 losses and the Royals with 105. And you go, well, okay. How do those three teams, will they look at the way the, the Orioles have done this and try mm-hmm. to build their teams this way? Uh, I'm thinking the Royals, for example, the Royals do not have a good minor league system. The no, only they, real good prospect they have is Bobby Witt, who's already in the majors now. Yeah. Um, they've really not spent money there. That's one thing the Orioles did really well. And one thing they did when they did that, they really focused – on the minor league system, but it wasn't going and getting, um, you know, players from the Dominican Republic or from Panama or from, you know, from South America, Central America, which is great. Dominican players, those kind of things. Yeah. They really focused on like American players. Um, And they got a a few Dominican players, which I, I mean, I'm all for, you you know, where you get them from, but they really developed baseball players. Yeah. And I really liked that. Um, I look at the Rockies, you know, in your okay. neighborhood there in Denver, and I go, okay, they've got a couple of really nice pieces. I think Ryan McMahon's a really nice piece. They have Chris Bryant, who they signed to a big contract. I know he's your favorite player, um, especially going back to his Cubs days. And I yeah. think he's a great player. But he's been nagging with injuries, really most of the last two seasons. Um, most of his career, frankly. Yeah, it, it's true. And and they've got a couple of holdovers like Charlie Blackman, who I've always been a big fan of, but he's past his prime. Yeah, I mean, he's going to retire a Rocky, but yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest issue, and this may be true for the Royals to a certain extent as well, which we're trying to find out with the Royals, the Manforts are awful owners. Yeah. They are just awful, awful, awful owners. Yeah. And I think the Royals... The Royals' previous ownership was the Glass family was lawful owners. Yeah, they got lucky at one point and had a three-year run where they won, yeah. went to a World Series, won a World Series, and they were shit again. Yep. Um, I've always feel bad for Salvador Perez, the best player on those teams, hung around his rest of his career there so far, and hasn't been paid back by that organization at all. Right. Um, I think the Royals should do right by him and let him go somewhere else. Um. But now this new ownership of the Royals, he seems hyper-focused on his new ballpark. Yep. Which there was supposed to be a big announcement about 10 days ago on here in Kansas City. I don't know if you heard this news, but about 10 days ago, they were supposed to announce whether the new ballpark would be in North Kansas City or in downtown. Okay. And that it was then the Royals came out and said, we are delaying the announcement indefinitely. There has been so much pullback from the city and from the citizens of Kansas City. And you hear the same thing from people who talk about this. They'll say, well, why should we spend money on a ballpark when you won't spend money on a team? Right. And I understand the economics of sports. And I understand that you're not going to field a competitive team unless you get some benefit from it as well. But there's a give and take here. 
This new is. owner, this new owner in Kansas City has said, I'll keep the team here, but I want a new ballpark. And that was right. really kind of agreed upon privately. But if the people are going to hold back and not, you know, vote for a new ballpark, he may have to pull that team and move somewhere. And there's three places with big checks ready for him. Sure. And I, you know, but the thing of it is, is that even if he does use the leverage of pulling the team and there may be money sitting out there, if you look at the last 30 years of the Royal organization, even if they move somewhere else, they, they have not shown that they are willing to invest in that team. And just because you move and have a fancy new stadium, doesn't mean that they will either it just means that the ownership group has more money in their pocket <laughs> yeah well that's true and there's a truth to that and again it's the new owner he's only on the team for about a year and a half about a year now yeah. um, but what my understanding is one of the options out there is to move the team to nashville the people in nashville who are desperate to get a baseball team sure they have about 1.5 billion ready Right. But what they're looking at doing is they're actually looking at, they would end up purchasing the team from him. He would basically flip the Royals from 1 billion to 1.5 in a matter of two years. Which frankly is really shitty given that part of his pitch when he came in was like, I'm a hometown guy. I really want to see the Royals succeed. I'm here to build it out. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I, I think his argument would be, Hey, yeah, this is what I wanted, but you didn't give me the one piece we agreed on. He didn't give us a fucking team, though, either. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think that, but the, the on the field stuff. I think that what this new owner in the Royals has to do, and what the family that owns the Rockies has to do, is invest in the minor leagues, invest in player development. That's where you're going to build these teams. Sure. The Orioles right now. Look at the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves are mostly. I mean, they have some guys like Matt Olson they brought over, but that was because Freddie Freeman left. Yeah, you know who was a homegrown guy, Acuna, who's about to be in the MVP, Albies, um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Austin Riley. I mean, half yeah. the lineup is homegrown guys who they developed in in, in their organization. Um, I'm looking at, you know. I would argue the Dodgers don't really have that. The Dodgers have a few of their like entangled pieces that are letter homegrown, but their big ones are Mookie Betts and Freddie Freak. Yeah, they've they've and, bought their team and have yeah. for the last 10 years. Um, but then you look like the Rays and the and the Blue Jays. They they brought they really brought in smaller pieces. The Blue Jays, I would argue, brought in, you know, Carlos Correa, but you look at the rest of those teams, you go look they, they home grew a lot of those talents. And, you're and, not the Cubs have, and the Cubs have two to a certain it's extent. The Cubs, They've yeah. had some good pieces come up this year between yeah. pitching and outfield work that has been really nice. Yeah, and if you look at the Cubs as an example as well, you know their free agent in Cody Bellinger was someone who's on a prove-it deal. Yeah. It wasn't that they went and bought somebody. Um, I did read an article this week, and there's a lot of these different things out there, so I don't know how much I've taken into this, that the Cubs are one of the teams that are going to go heavy after Otani. Everybody's going to go heavy after yeah. Otani. Yeah, I think he's going to end up. I, I think he's going to come out of three teams. It's all said and done. There, we'll talk about that another time. I, I just, I'm, I hear that it's going to end up being either Boston, San Francisco, 
for the Dodgers. That's the, unsurprising. <laughs> the other big one, yeah. The other big one is uh, Mike Trout's going to ask for a trade. Uh, he deserves it. You know, if you look, he and Salvi are very similar. I mean, part of the problem with Trout is that he's also been injury plagued throughout the course of his career, but they have never really tried to build a team around him besides bringing Otani in. And it, I know he wanted to be an angel for his entire career, but at some point, if it's almost a prideful thing, yeah. You want to try to make a real run with a team who's actually willing. Yeah. You, you realize that Mike Trout's only been in the postseason one time? Yeah. He's played three games in the postseason. Yeah. He's only won one game in the postseason. It's ridiculous. It is. I mean, his his career, if he stays with the Angels, the rest of his career turns into Ted Williams. He'll yeah. never win the World Series, which is a shame. I mean, Ted Williams and Barry Bonds, I mean, they never won the World Series. Yeah. And that's what Mike Trout might be. Um but again, with three days to go, there's a lot of stuff in baseball. And I wanted to bring up the Orioles because I thought it was interesting when you look at that team. For sure. And then as a person who people who live in both Denver and Kansas City, between you and I, it's like, okay, these two teams could do this if they just went and did it right. Yeah. So we mentioned briefly, I mentioned the, the Braves as part of that, how you grow a team. And, um, you know, we get near the end of the season, we're talking about awards and such. And I think next week, we'll, you and I will kind of pick our awards for the year. But I mentioned this about a month ago. The only award that, like, of the two MVPs, the American League National League, I said we were really close in the National League. And I said I was going to go Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. He was just hotter than donut grease. And he still has been. Yeah. But I said if one thing happened, I'd flip my vote. And that one thing has happened. It sure did. Ronald Acuna hit 40 <laughs> home runs, and now he's gone. You know, 40-40 was a big deal. You know, yeah. Jose Canseco was the first guy to do it. Barry Bonds did it. Um, Alfonso, uh, Alfonso Soriano's done it. I can't think who the other one was that's done it now. Al Rodriguez was the other one. Only four guys have ever done it. 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases in a year. And we're in a time where stolen bases are not. They're rare in ever. Now this they year, were until this season. Until this season. This season they've come back. Yes. And the reason being because of the way the new rules work with the way the pitchers can only throw to first base one time. If you throw over a second time and you don't get him out of the box, mm-hmm. we've seen an uptake in stolen bases. Now, not a huge number. Like, no one's going to be Ricky Henderson still in 100 bases. Sure. Ronald Acuna leads the major leagues of stolen bases, and he's now got the 70. He's had 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases in a season. He's also hitting, I'll make sure you get to the updated number here, because this was just amazing when I look at the numbers. Right now, let me get this. This is why Ronald McCune is going to be the MVP. He is currently hitting 336, second in the National League. He has 41 homes, 105 RBIs. 105 RBIs, and he hits leadoff most of the time. Yeah. I mean, he is either leadoff or second. Mookie Betts is 100 RBIs, and he bats leadoff every day. Uh, and an OPS of over 1, 1.009. Uh, Betts is slightly ahead of him at 1.012. Mm-hmm. If you pull those stats, those two players, and you look at it, Acuna beats Betts in damn near everything. I mean, it's really close. Sure. But the 70 
stolen bases. Mookie's got like 25. Right. And I would argue that Mookie Betts, you know, has also played three positions this year. He's played right. He's played a lot at second base. He even played shortstop a couple of times, which has been invaluable to the Dodgers. But Ronald Acuna is the reason that the Braves have won 100 games. Yeah, Acuna has been great. And I just wonder if whether it's the stolen bases that tips it to him or the multiple positions that Betts has played yeah. that tips it towards him. I think it's going to be Acuna. I, I and look, you know me. There is no bigger Mookie Betts fan on God's green earth than me. I know. I freaking love Mookie Betts. My favorite player. Um, you know, I right here in my office, I have just acquired. I will show this to you as we're doing this on Zoom. A Mookie Betts signed back. Oh, beautiful. I just got, yeah. So I'll put this in my hands like this. I'll kind of feel like a slugger for a minute. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, no bigger Mookie Best fan than I. I mean, I'm holding an autograph bat of his right now in my hand. Yeah. But a clinic should be the MVP. And, and I, th- I think he's going to win it. And I feel, I don't think it'll be close when it's said enough. I think you can see just about every vote is going to have a Kuna one, Betts two. And then Matt Olson, poor Matt Olson. Leading the major league baseball in home runs, and he's going to finish third. Yeah, you realize in the history of the Atlanta Braves franchise, no player had hit fifty home runs in a season until this year. That's insane, given some of the people that they've had on that team. Yeah, Hank Aaron was on that team. He's been his whole career, Brave. Yeah, and not whole, whole the last two years he was a Brewer, but Hank Aaron hit more home runs than everybody but Bonds, and he never hit fifty in a season. Which goes to show you how consistent he was for 20 years, hitting, you know, 40 a year almost every year for, t- for almost 20 years. But right. 50 home runs, and he's not even in consideration for the MVP. That's wild. Which is wild. And he's had a great, great season. He's a great player. And it's it's kind of crazy. That they, like, they, they, uh, the Braves lose Freddie Freeman. They go get Matt, uh, Matt Olson, who they think they're getting a solid bat and a guy who can play a great first base. And instead, they go get a guy who's damn near the MVP. Yeah. So good for the Braves. Uh, that's Jen's favorite team. She loves rooting for the Braves. I like the Braves. I mean, growing up in the South, everybody did. So, but um, it's it's hard to watch the Braves win and the Red Sox lose. And it's hard to watch the Braves and my favorite player plays for the Dodgers. So yeah. That's going to be hard I, to root for that. I, I just have a lot of hard feelings still from the 90s. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna be hard for me to root. But I, like, I watch a lot of Dodger games because it's who Mookie plays for, obviously, and it's also late at night. I mean, those games start at seven, you know, LA time, right? And so it's nine o'clock here, and by that time, my night's all done. And every, you know, Jen's gone to bed, and Peyton's doing whatever Peyton twenty-one year old kids do. So I got time to myself, and right. so I watch a lot of those games and stay up till sure. one thirty watching. And so it kind of like I know a lot about that team. And in a way, they've kind of been like a surrogate team when my Red Sox sucked this year. And um, so I don't want to root against them. And But I don't – I mean, I kind of want to root for the Braves as well. So be interesting. See how that yeah. goes. So let me put this away for a minute. It's like focus on what the hell I'm doing. It is a cool-ass bat. It is. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Akuna is the MVP. And I think it's not even going to be close. 
Um, as we're recording this, now this is probably going to come out on Saturday, but so by the time you hear this, you know, this game will be happening or or it has happened. But Kansas was playing Texas in football this week, and he's a KU grad and me being Jayhawk adjacent, it's a big deal. Yeah. Texas is currently, what, th- th- number three? I believe so. They're five in one poll, three in the eight people are three, they're five in the coaches poll. Yeah. Um, but again, the top five team in Texas, who Kansas has had a lot of success against in the recent years. Yep. And this is the best Texas team since I think 05. I mean, you had to go back to the Vince Young team that upset USC. Um, USC got robbed in that game. <laughs> but uh, uh, you go back to that team. This is the best Texas team since. For sure. And they are playing at a fantastic level. There's 17 point favorites at home against Tigers, Kansas. Kansas has played outstanding this year. They have. They're finally ranked. 24. 24. They're ranked ahead of Kansas State. Yep. Which deservedly so, in my opinion. Um, AU had a dominating performance. They really, the score didn't show it as much from the BYU game, but there was at no point where I was like, worried that games didn't get out of hand. I mean, they won by 11, but they could have won that game by 20 just as easily. Sure. Um, the Nevada game a couple weeks ago, that game at Nevada, mm-hmm. three defensive starters out in the first half for the because of um, penalties before on the target yeah. and stuff. And they didn't play well for a half. And in the second half, they really kind of had start to stop, start to stops. Um, Devin Neal was kind of banged up in that game. Mm-hmm. He didn't play particularly well, but they win. They beat up Illinois. Yes. Beat up Missouri State. Now they got Texas. I don't think a lot of folks thought Kansas was going to be 4-0 here. I think a lot of folks thought they could be three and one best. I mean, you don't think they're going to beat both Illinois and BYU going into the season. Okay. Now they're four and oh. They got Texas. And they got a couple of games in here against UCF and Oklahoma State. Very winnable games. Yes. First off, do we give them a chance at Texas? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think that there's a doubt that they have a chance. Um, you know, the game's on ABC, yep. so it's a, it's a primetime college football game yeah. as far as slotting. It's yep. going to get a lot of eyes. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Texas quarterback, he's but tremendous. He yeah. um, but Texas quarterbacks also seem to have a penchant for getting hurt. And I just have a weird feeling about this game. I, I, I want to see if Devin Neal's healthy. He's yeah. been a little banged up. That's going to be the most important part of the game for Kansas is going to establish the run game, establish it early. I saw a stat last night against seven man boxes. This is where you have the three linemen and the three and the three linebackers or two linebackers and a safety in the box. Devin Neal has the most yards per carry in the country. He's averaging 7.9 yards a carry. Against seven man boxes, that is unbelievably good. Yeah, that is. It's Derrick Henry in his prime kind of stats. Sure. To give you an idea, it's it's Heisman Trophy worthy stats. 
Now, Stephanie Gill's not going to win the Heisman. It's not even going to be a candidate for the Heisman. No. But to give you an idea, what that means is if teams are going to stack the box with seven men, and that's what the teams have had to do so far. So BYU had to do. It's what Nevada had to do. If Texas has got to put seven in the box, if Jalen Daniels can play the read game really well, get a few short passes in, there could be some big play capabilities, and KU could keep this game close and give themselves a shot at the end to win it. Yeah, and, you know, KU special teams has been playing incredibly well so far this season. Um, You know, Bryant has been playing great on defense. Kobe Bryant, he's an NFL player. Yeah. He's playing Sundays. Yeah, and so, you know, these guys are going to be hyped going into Austin, and they know what they're trying to do this season, and it is not going to surprise me at all if they end up winning. Yeah, so – I, I think Texas wins. I think KU covers 17. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm actually going to bet that. Yeah. Um, I also bet Devin Neal to be the first touchdown scorer. I think I got six to one or five to one on that. Okay. Yeah. We're a little something. Well, with our friends, we Um, But after this Texas game, review Kansas real quick. They play at home against UCF, a team they can beat. Yeah. The game's on Fox. They have then have their at Oklahoma State, who is not good. No. Oklahoma State, this is the worst Oklahoma State team Mike Gundy's had in a long time. He may get fired for how bad this team is. Um, and they go, they have Oklahoma coming up to Lawrence. Oklahoma really has been impressive, but they've been impressive against non-con competition that hasn't been the best. Right. Let's see who they are in a couple of weeks. I do think they're better than some people think. After that, Kansas plays at Iowa State, a winnable game. Yes. At home against Texas Tech, at home against Kansas State, and then at Cincinnati to end the season. I'm gonna, I might go skip that K State game for a second. I'm gonna talk about it. That might be the first time that Kansas is a favorite against Kansas State in the last what decade, two decades. Um, I can't remember if they would have played in 08. They did. The 08, 09. No. You know, 07, 08, 09. That's, would have 15, been. that's 15 years ago. Yeah. Shout out to my boy Raymond Brown. He played on that 018. My boy Ray B. Um, but yeah, he uh that game, he was in Lawrence. It's going yeah. to the game. And he says played okay in games. They've looked really good in a couple of games. They obviously lost to Missouri in a game that there was a lot of distractions around, it turned out. And I do want to get to that if we have time real quick. But um about what was going on with that game and the Mel Tucker stuff. Sure, so sure. We're going to see if we can get there. Um, we got, we are on time crunch today. Yes. But I think that this is going to be the first time that Kansas may have maybe the favorite against Kansas State. And not only that, I think that's the win that KU needs more than anything. Play this game competitive this week. If you lose, you lose. Yeah. So go now. Play Oklahoma tough. But the opportunity is there in the Big 12. Can't uh, Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC next year? Right. If you can send them out with losses, great. If not, there's going to need to be the alpha dog. Now, Coach Prime is coming with a lot of hype, and they've been very good in games. They got tore up by, by Oregon. Yes. Oregon seemed to have the magical elixir. Um, I think that team's still a, a year away from being very good. 
They play USC this week. Bet the over. That game's going to be just a terribly high-scoring game. Boulder is going to be a mess this week. Yeah, yeah. and USC can, defense cannot stop a nosebleed. So I expect, I expect the Colorado's going to score points. Um, but what I'm meaning is we're going to get down to this. We're going to have Colorado coming into the conference. Yep. You already have BYU in. You already have UCF. This is Cincinnati's in. None of these are really the alpha dogs. Then you have um, Arizona, Arizona State. And Utah. Oh, forget it. And Utah. Utah is a tough, tough football program. Yeah. Plays tough football. They're a great defensive program. Um, but here's your chance for Kansas. Put up a big number. Put up a big performance against Texas this weekend. Yeah. Give the performance against Texas that Texas gave Alabama last year. This year. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean last year. I do mean last year. And what I mean by that, that's the game that turned Texas around. That's fair. Now, they beat Alabama this year. Right. Don't worry about beating. Go out there and play the best game. Texas was not nearly as good as Alabama last year. And they had been beat until Bryce Young took over with three minutes to go in the game. Right. Be Kansas. If you're Kansas, be what Texas was one year ago. And then next year, you're going to get a shot in there against Colorado. And that's when you go, okay, we're going to beat Kansas State. We're going to beat Colorado. And we're going to be the alpha dog. Yeah. Because you're going to return the best quarterback. Well, either the best or the second best quarterback in the league with Daniels. Yes. Him or Sanders when Sanders comes over next year. And you're going to return the best running back in the country, in the, in the, in the, in the conference, in Neil. Yeah, because I think Neil, given that he's a hometown guy, he he wants to be there when it all hits. So he'll stick yeah. around. Oh, well, I don't think Devin Neal's considering going pro right now. I think Devin Neal's a four-year guy at KU. And unless something drastically happened next year and he could pop to, you know, the high first round, which isn't real likely with running backs anyway. Mm-hmm. You kind of, kind of stay around, but um, I do think he plays on Sundays too. Yeah. He's a great young man too. I, we've, I mean, we've obviously known him and our family for years. Uh, he's good friends with my son and we've known Devin, great guy. Um, but I, for the Jayhawks, you have this opportunity. Even if you lose, go in there and just play as hard as you can go. I mean, play with your hair on fire. Yeah. And, and if they can win this game, if they, if they can play it close, they're going to get attention. If they win it, oh, my God, oh. momentum you'll have. So I'm rooting for the Jayhawks. Part of it is, I mean, horns down for me always. I hate Texas, so horns down. And But now I'm Jayhawk adjacent, so I'm kind of required to. I am purchasing my first piece of Jayhawk-like gear. Oh. Again. I've never actually purchased a Jayhawk shirt, but okay. I'm, I'm getting a Devin Neal t-shirt. Nice. For Devin, I will do it. So Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that game this week. There's some other big games this week, but I'm not going to get into the whole college slate. Um, we just don't have the time and the energy right now. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk about we mentioned Missouri beating Kansas State a couple weeks ago, and there was some talk around Kansas State. Yes. Um, particularly that game. Chris Kleiman, their head coach, 
is believed to be the front runner for the Michigan State job. He is still believed to be the Michigan State front runner. Uh, did not travel back with. Did not travel back with his team. Actually, went to East Lansing, had yeah. a meeting. My understanding is that there is an agreement in place, but it is not signed. And the issue is, um, there was a lawsuit now going to happen on the yeah. firing of Mel Tucker. Yeah, because they fired him for co- for cause. Yeah, I want to ask you that you're an attorney. You're you're a lady. So I'm going to ask this in a way, and, and forgive me, I'm going to put it this way, and we got, we're got we stretched on time here. Yep. Mel Tucker was, um, again, fired for cause because of a series of phone calls with a woman that had, he had met when he brought her in to speak to his team about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace and those sort of things. And in these calls, apparently, he had phone sex with one. Mm-hmm. Now, he claims it was consensual. Call records show they had over a dozen calls of 30 minutes and longer. She now claims they were not consensual. So this investigation started in January. Yep. It was then closed in March. Nothing was announced publicly. That's we've come out from open records requests. Mm-hmm. In August, the lady, I don't have her name, went public. Yep. And of course, then the university had to release the investigation and everything else. And at that time, Michigan State decided they were going to now fire the coach for cause. Now, something doesn't smell right here for me. Now, I'm always the person who believes we have to respect the woman's uh, opinion and her say of what's going on. We have to be almost hypersensitive to that. Okay. And uh, it, we need to listen to victims. Mm-hmm. If this is a victim, we need to listen. However, this is clearly Michigan State regrets giving him a big contract. They went through this piece, and then when it went public, they said, oh, we got a chance to get out of this contract. Let's fire him for cause for this. If this were worth firing him, wouldn't they have fired him back in March? I don't know. And I don't know if it's contract piece. Listen, Michigan state has to cover their ass after Larry Nasser. Yes, absolutely. They, they have dug themselves a hole and absolutely no question. regardless of if this is consensual, it's a horrible look. It is for him to be engaging in this on someone that the university paid mm-hmm. to come in and talk to the team and the staff, et cetera. And especially about the subject they talked about. Exactly. It's not a good look at all for anybody. I'm not excusing behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure she was concerned that it could impact her ability to have engagements from other universities because he would be bad mouthing her because he didn't, she didn't get him off over the phone, whatever. I don't know. I think this is more a university wide. We can't let this happen again. Not so much oh, fuck, we signed a big contract that we're not impressed with him now. It's Michigan State trying to rebuild their credibility in the college athletic system. Okay. So you think this has just as much to do with the hangover of the Larry Nassar stuff than it does anything else? A thousand percent. That's probably the reason. That's reason. 
that's absolutely reasonable. And I have not given that much consideration. So, hey, let's do this. Uh, I wanted to get that in real quick because I knew you'd have a great opinion and kind of made me see the thing from an area I didn't look at because I was looking at the other way as well. Sure. Um, but with that, I want to jump about it here. We're going to talk real quick. I'm going to say shout out to our friends at DraftKings for sponsoring the podcast. Check out the show notes. Hey, got your hoodie on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, check out the link in the show notes. You're going to get $150 worth of free bets when you make your first deposit of $100. So you deposit your $100, new account only, uh, go in, get you an account set up, make your first deposit, make your first bet, boom, you're going to get 150 of free bets. They're good for seven days, so use them. We want to thank DraftKings for being a part of the show. Um, with that, I want to say thanks Edub, as always, for coming in. Again, it's kind of an abbreviated version today, but we wanted to get something out for you guys for the weekend. Uh, I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all you do behind the scenes. Um, most important, thank you to you, the listener. Hey, if you listen to the pod on the, the, uh, episode 99, we went really long and deep in the football. I know we went almost three hours, but we had a lot of interesting stuff. If you're a nerd about the football stuff, get in there. Ricardo and I had a great conversation with the 49ers and why I think Brock Purdy is not a great, great quarterback, and I have proof this time. So uh, go back and check it out. Um, but it's a, it's a great conversation, and we had a great time talking about a lot of different subjects. So check that out. It is a long listen. Divvy it up a little bit. Listen to an hour, listen to an hour later. Check it out. Um, don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your uh, podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. Until next time, I'm Coach Bo Brian O'Connor. That is Ellen Wingenshire. Have a great weekend. Remember your time tokens are non-refundable. Thanks everyone.